I know it might sound weird to say good morning after I've already said good morning, but that's just kind of what I do when I start speaking, you know what I mean? So it's like, good morning. There we go. See? There you go. Um, there's not going to be a lot of turn to your neighbors this morning. That's a joke. Okay. You'll get it after. You'll be sitting in church, or not church, you'll be sitting at a Bojangles after the service and be like, oh, I get it. Um, I love speaking. Uh, always honored to be able to speak. And, uh, of course, I get on to Dad because leave, he leaves and not gets to hear the message today. But uh, that's the good thing about technology. We got it recorded, so we'll let him hear it back in the future. But, you know, um, usually uh, I like to go, many of you who've ever heard me speak before, you know I like to go verse by verse and just unpack what the Bible says and apply observation, interpretation, application. But I really felt different about this morning and um, wanted to just to do something different. So y'all give me permission to do something a little different this morning? All right, now y'all, there one thing is going to stay consistent. I like, like vocal, okay? I like it when you respond. So let's try that again. Do I have permission to do that this morning? Okay, now that's good. That's what I'm talking about. All right, that's going to be good. We're going to get out of here early. Yeah, that, yeah everybody said amen. Yeah. You know, um, Romans 1.16 Many of you probably are familiar with this verse, and um, I'm going to read it. In fact, let's all read it together. How about that? Say it out loud with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let me ask you a question. How many of you... And this, you can raise your hand on this one. I'm not going to, we'll keep it private in a second. But how many of you would think that the church in America is operating out of a place of power? Raise your hand. Now, turn around and look. That's pretty telling right there. That's very telling. Now, if I asked you about gratis, everybody going to raise their hand, right? If I asked about gratis, you'd raise your hand. The gospel is the power of God. Think about that. What do we know about God's power? Well, he created the universe. He formed you in your mother's womb. He has the power to heal. He can move a mountain. He could turn the air condition on in this room if he wanted to. <laughs> but think about that. It is the power of God. So what's missing? Anybody want to take a stab? If we have this power that we can access as the church, where, what's missing? The gospel. It's the gospel. And, you know, I would, I would venture to say, now you don't have to raise your hand on this one, but if I asked you, each individually in a personal conversation, to tell me the gospel in just a few minutes. Could you do it? 
as I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking about, let's just assume that you're, you come to church all the time. 50, let's just give you 50 Sundays a year. So two, you know, vacation two times a year. You know, I'm just kidding. But let's just say 50 for a good example. So if you came to church 50 times a year for 10 years, that's 500 messages that you've listened to. And if we as a church cannot explain what the gospel is to somebody in a short and a brief amount of time, I'm not talking about living out the gospel on a daily basis, but if we can't explain the gospel, then who will? Who will? We're missing out on this amazing opportunity for the power of God. We can't say that we're ashamed or not ashamed of the gospel because we don't know it. And maybe we do know it. Maybe it's the unwritten that we, we know. It's like, yeah, I know. You know, this is what's funny. I, I can't tell you how many times uh, this is. I'm not just talking about people in the church. I'm talking about pastors, too. Uh, you ever heard a pastor and it's like they don't know how to say that somebody became a disciple of Jesus. So they'll say everything else. They'll be like, yeah, he got saved. Or they'll say, um, he gave his heart to Jesus. Or he, uh, he just, he, he gave it all up today. You know, like pe people will say that all the time. And it's like they don't know themselves. It's the same way how when we first started talking about what, who a, a disciple of Jesus is, right? And a disciple knows and follows Jesus. A disciple um, listens and obeys to Jesus. And a disciple um, looks like Jesus, right? The, based upon the stuff that we've talked about in the past. And the hands, the heart, uh, the head, the heart, and the hands of a disciple. So, does anybody know what the gospel, what the word means? Anybody? Come on now. Somebody. What does this, just the gospel, what does it mean? Anybody? Good news. There we go. Boom. The gospel equals good news. How many of y'all think we need some good news? Come on. We need some good news. You know, that's why I'm so happy. We are the first church that is planting a building in the gratis community area than over 100 years. That is good news, people. We got something to celebrate about. So exciting. But it's, it means the good news. And, and over the New Testament, there's, it's only a New Testament term. Um, Although, what's interesting is that when I looked up the word study, it meant in, in anticipation of the Messiah. See, here's the deal. The Jews didn't have the luxury of knowing that Jesus paid it all for them. Do you know why? Because he hadn't come yet. They were looking forward. They were hopeful. They were hoping that God would come and that he would rule and that he would bring that power. We're on the flip side. We're numb to it because we've heard it our entire lives. But we can't even tell anybody about it. You see how there's a problem there? And here's the thing. The Jews, they actually went back and they talked about a story. In fact, most Jews would actually sit down and memorize the first five books of the Bible. Most of us don't even know five verses of the Bible, much less five books. That's a lot of mojo. There's 50 chapters in Genesis. Anybody want to memorize Leviticus? Nope? Okay. Just go read it. You'll see what I'm talking about. But, you know, um, the reason why they were able to proclaim the gospel, in my opinion, in the early church is because they experienced it in a real way, 
but also because they knew the story of God. So this morning, I want to talk to you about story. Now, how many of y'all like a good story? Any, any movie fans? Any movie fans? Wonder Woman's great, by the way. Um, just ignore all the Greek mythology and all that mess. We know it's not true. Um, but the, the truth is, we all like a good story. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain some stuff to you this morning, and you will never look at a story the same way. So, you know, don't... And I say this about stories in general. Um, recently, I took this online course with this really uh, brilliant man, and it's called StoryBrand. And he helps people like Chick-fil-A, he helps people, um, I don't think he helps Zaxby's because that's competition, but anyway, he helps really big companies tell their story, get their message out there without saying, go buy chicken. Uh, and so it's called StoryBrand. And he has this framework, and he explains that there are seven parts to every story. doesn't matter what it is. There's always seven parts. Now, here's how it works. I'm going I'm to actually explain this to you. So here's the seven parts. There's a hero. And usually the hero is the knucklehead. You know what I'm talking about? It's not like they're the best person in the movie, but they're the person that you're trying to root for because everybody knows that they're just dumb dumb and they need to get their stuff together and then by the end of the movie they end up getting their stuff together you know what I'm talking about alright so the hero who has who faces a problem who then meets a guide who has a plan and then they put that plan into action and then you have either a positive ending or a negative ending now uh, if my wife knows that a movie has any hint of a negative ending, she will not watch it. Anybody else like that? Any ladies? Like The Notebook, uh, P.S. I Love You. She was just like, I'm out. I'm out. She likes it. We all want a positive ending. We don't want a negative ending. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and do a quick little walkthrough of how this works before we get into the gospel. Because this morning, I want you to take this framework, and I, it's easy to remember, but it's so quick and easy to explain the gospel of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. And I believe it's so simple yet powerful. Y'all want to hear? All right, so before we jump in, here's what I want to do. This is how powerful storytelling is, and see, see if, you, if you agree with this. So the hero is you, Christian. You've been church. You want to do better. You want to be like Jesus. The problem, you may be confused, a little overwhelmed, information overload. Where do I start? How in the world do I share 66 books in three minutes to someone? How do I explain all of these issues to someone in just a small amount of time? So me, I'm your guide this morning. And I want to tell you, it's not your fault. I want to tell you that I know what it feels like to be overwhelmed with information. I know what it feels like to not know the answer when someone asks you a tough question. I know what it feels like to be overwhelmed. Or when a friend asks for answers and I just don't know. The good news is that there is a plan 
And I believe that when we know the gospel for ourselves, in story form, in an easy, repeatable way, that we will experience the power of God in our lives. And if I gave you this plan, my question is, would you commit to sharing it? Yes, maybe, okay. But here's the deal, you have to take action. You have to learn it, you have to share it. And then, crazy, teach it. I believe that y'all should teach it. Because I believe that there's, the positive ending is that you will know the gospel. You will experience the power of God in your life and your friends' lives. You have confidence, you have boldness. You will be able to share with your friends and your family. You will be unashamed of the gospel. That's a result that we all want, right? But what happens if we don't take action? We continue feeling defeated. We continue feeling embarrassed. We continue feeling overwhelmed with information and with life in general, as if you never knew the gospel. Now, I just applied the seventh point framework to you. Now you're probably sitting there like, come on, man, just tell me. I'm ready to go. Like, come on. You should be able to tell me in like five minutes like you say. Okay, let's do that. So, the gospel. The hero. In the beginning, God. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis 1.27, he even says that man was made in the image of of God. Now, when we look at the grand scheme of things, we know, and don't Jesus juke me here, that God is sovereign. He's our hero. We know that, right? But in the storytelling mindset, we're looking at Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Because God is their guide. So we're going to call Adam and Eve, or us as mankind, the hero in this case. Not saying that we're Jesus level here, but just the hero. We're the people that dumb dumb who just doesn't get it. And so here's the problem. Everything was great in the Garden of Eden, the Eden at first. They were walking with God, they were talking with God, you know, probably not fighting in their marriage, which no n nobody fights in their marriage in here today, right? Um, good answer. And so life was great. A problem happened when sin entered the world. Now, sin means to miss the mark. It means to not live up to the expectation. Uh, we would call it unlawful, you know, in today's time, breaking the law. But back then, you see, Eve, she ate of the fruit when God strictly said, don't eat it. She disobeyed God. And what happened is, Sin entered the world. Now we have this problem called sin. And Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So the problem is, is that we, have, we face eternal death. Now, has anybody ever wondered why God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden? Sin? That's, that's a good answer. Well, see, there was a tree of life, and there was a tree of 
knowledge of good and evil, right? Two different trees. What would have happened if Adam and Eve would have gone and eaten from the tree of life after they disobeyed God? They would have stayed forever in that place. They would have stayed forever in that disconnect. And so God, with this masterful plan, said, no, I'm going to kick you out of the Garden of Eden so you cannot eat of that tree. In fact, I'm going to make it to where nobody can find that tree ever again. You will die on this earth. But one day, I will send a way out of this. I will fix this problem called sin. Okay, so in the hero, in the beginning, man was made in the image of God, but man sinned. So insert, insert God, but God. John 3.16 says, So God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I think we should change that word to, but God so loved the world. I love that word in the Bible. Whenever you see but God, highlight it. Because the truth is, is that it's a complete contrast. God is our guide. He has a plan for us. And he's God. So if God has a plan, we should listen to it, right? And here's his plan. is to fix the sin problem. So he sent his son Jesus, who lived a perfect life, Killed on our behalf, the Lamb of God, like we sung about a few minutes ago. Who rose from the grave, defeated death, and now instead of eternal death, we have eternal life. That whosoever believes in him. Let's talk about that plan real quick. That's not an easy plan by any means. I mean, a few weeks ago, Dad spoke about the realistic possibility that Jesus was who he said he was. Y'all know, remember what he talked about with the silver dollars in Texas and that it would be a foot deep and you took a guy and he was blindfolded and he just went and picked one random silver dollar and that one random silver dollar would have been just if 10 of the prophecies were true about Jesus. That's a pretty good plan. But it wasn't an easy plan. His plan meant that he had to send his son to die for us. His plan meant that his son had to conquer death. You know, the, the plan and the problem in stories are always related. So whenever I'm talking with a business, right? So I'll just kind of push, push pause on that for a second. Whenever I'm talking to a business about their story, about their marketing plan, things like that, the first thing I want to know is what is your customer's biggest problem? Because if we can solve your customer's biggest problem with your plan, we win. For example, uh, huh, this is a good one. Um, what happens in Georgia when there's threat of snow? What do people go buy? Milk and bread. Makes no sense. I'd be going buying some steaks, some charcoal, like, you know, anyway. Everybody goes and buys milk and bread. So the problem is, everybody needs milk and bread. So what's the plan? The plan is, give them milk and bread and raise the price so that you make them profit off of it, right? 
So they're fulfilling someone's problem. Well, the problem that happened in mankind in the gospel, in our story, or in his story, also known as history, the problem is we had a disconnect. And we were disconnected from our God. We were disconnected from our Savior. Now, I wanna, I wanna, I'm pointing that out because in God's plan, he has, he has empathy. One of the biggest reasons why a hero and a guide relationship is so close and, and good is because the guide gets it. The guide has empathy. God knows what it's like to be separated. Because when Jesus died on the cross, God had to turn his back on his son. God had to do something that almost none of us would do. He turned his back on his son on our behalf so that his plan, so that his plan to fix that disconnect, he chose to temporarily be disconnected with his son who together is three in one, the holy trinity of God. He loves his only son. He turned his back. He could have pulled him from the cross. He could have sent his angels down. He could have completely wiped mankind off the face of the earth and started over from scratch. But instead, God chose to turn his back on his son so that his plan could be complete. So that our problem could be fixed. So that we could experience eternal life instead of eternal death. You see how they're related? Our problem, God's plan. How many of y'all like to put together a good plan? Anybody? We got any planners in here? Does life ever go that way? Let's be honest. You know, they say rules are meant to be broken. Plans are meant to be messed up. But not God's plan. But here's the deal. Even the demons know that Jesus rose from the dead. A lot of people know this story. So what? Even if God did all of this, so what? There still has to be, what's that word? Number five, action. The Bible says that if we confess, we repent, and that we follow Jesus, and I'll put in here, and be baptized. I'll explain that in a second. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God's raised, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For, the, the, the heart, for with the heart one believes and is justified. With the mouth one confesses and is saved. The reason why I put baptized in there is because even Jesus was baptized. So folks, if the Son of God, the Son of God himself went to get baptized... We as believers, we're just raising our hand and we're set, set saying, yes, I want that. I'm with him. No brainer. Easy peasy. That's why I put that in there. But we have to take action. We have to take action. Um, everybody knows to brush your teeth. And I liked nerds, the candy. And I used to watch every movie. I would eat a whole box of nerds. And I was not the world's best at brushing my teeth. 
So, uh, never had a cavity in my life. Ever. Until, I think it was about three years ago. And I had like six at one time. I was in the dentist chair, no joke, for like a whole week. I paid their mortgage that week. I had a root canal, never had a problem, never had a filling. Went from perfect healthy teeth to migraines and all kinds of stuff because I just didn't take care of my teeth. Everybody knows to brush their teeth. Well, let me ask you a question. If you don't brush your teeth, you don't brush your teeth, right? Everybody knows in January how to lose weight. We don't need this brand new system. Eat good, be active, done. But what do we do? We don't do it. We don't take action. Everybody knows that you're going to need money when you retire. But we choose to go buy a lot of things instead of saving it. We have to take action. Um, there's this great book, and it's so great that I don't remember the title. <laughs> and inside that book, it says, do the thing. Do the thing. You see, when we are action takers and we do the thing, we see results. The difference between believers and non-believers is this right here. Action. The act of believing. The act of confessing. The act of repenting. Everyone in the world has the opportunity to hear the gospel. To hear that God created us, but we fell. We fell right on our faces in disconnect. But God had a plan to get us out of that, to reconnect us to him. And that plan was through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, and Jesus died for my sin, for my disconnect, so that one day I would be reunited with our creator. And Jesus rose again. Everyone has the opportunity to say yes to that. But only a few will say yes. We must confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Now, remember how I said that there's two different options at the end, a positive ending or a negative ending. There always has to be one or the other. In our case, the positive ending, if you are a believer, is that we're re reconnected with our God forever. Notice I didn't say that we go to heaven. I didn't say that. So we're reconnected with our God forever. Why? Because we got so many people that are more excited about the streets of gold than they are about sitting at the feet of Jesus. And if that's your motivation, you better check yourself. You know what I'm saying? Turn to your neighbor and say, you better check yourself. <laughs> but isn't that true? Like, I mean, how many times have you heard someone talk about all the benefits of heaven and not talk about Jesus? And let me ask you a question. If Jesus wasn't in heaven, would you be disappointed? That's a good one right there. That'll hit you right between the eyes. Somebody's ever given you a big problem, you just give them that question right there. They'll just back off, back off you. But the, the reason why God came 
was not so that that way you could have a good life or so that the, that, we, that way we could have an amazing inheritance in heaven. God didn't come and give his son. I mean, think about that for a second. If I gave my son just so somebody could come and benefit from the things that I have and completely miss the relationship with me, how would that make me feel? How would that make you feel? If somebody only wanted you for what you had instead of who you are. Because the positive ending is that we are reconnected with our Savior. We are reconnected with our God. And let me tell you, friends, that reconnection doesn't start when we go to the other side. That reconnection starts the moment we confess, we repent, and we accept, and we follow Jesus. The reason why we look around and we see a lot of people that look like they don't have hope is because they miss this one right here. They think hope is on the other side. And honestly, I believe they haven't taken true action with their faith. Because when we see people take true action and obedience and believe in this gospel, we start to see the power of God in someone's life. We need to start living reconnected. And God gives us that. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Jesus called the Holy Spirit someone who is greater than I, meaning that we can experience God on a personal level more than the disciples of Jesus experienced him when he was on earth. That's some power. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. Have eternal life is the number six there. But what's the flip side? If I do not believe, I do not have eternal life. The problem hasn't been fixed. And that's called a tragedy. Right? We, we see these positive tales of people changing and the hero comes to the end and He's a knucklehead who knows, knows nothing about relationships, knows nothing about women, um, which is every man. And he goes through this process, and by the end of it, he finds love, right? But a tragedy is he gets to that place, and he falls in love, and the woman dies. That's a tragedy. In our story, the tragedy is that this, the problem was never fixed even though the plan was there. More people will end in tragedy than they will in victory. And it's because without the action, none of it is possible. We can write up the best weight loss plan in the world, but unless the person takes action, nothing's going to change. You can write the best marketing plan, the best business plan. Unless you take action, nothing's going to change. We can continue to try to live on our own devices, to live by our own means of good standards, to live a good life here on earth, but unless we, who cannot fix the problem, because we cannot fix eternal separation. We can't even fix I-85 right. We can't even put a stadium in Atlanta in the right place. Talking about the Braves' new stadium. We can't figure out parking. We can't figure out how to solve cancer. So how in the world do you think that we can figure out 
how to fix going from eternal death to eternal life. We can't. We can't fix this problem. But what we can do is we can take action. We can confess. We can repent. And we can follow Jesus. That's the difference. Because the plan is the same for everybody. But the question is, what's the action? So I'm going to walk you through it one more time, really quickly. And honestly, it's really not that hard to remember. If you just remember Genesis 1-1, which most of us know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth in 127, and he created man in his image. Honestly, you probably don't even have to say 127 to somebody. You could just say he created us in his image, and if you have a problem figuring the verse out, just Google it. It'll pop right up. We have a problem. So God created man. Everything was good. Man was united with God. But then man disobeyed God. Man was, became disconnected from God. And that word's called sin. But God, being powerful and all-knowing, had a plan. He's our guide. And with that plan, he said, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to pay your debt. I'm going to pay your transgression. And all you have to do is take action. And that action is to repent, to confess, and to follow Jesus. And if you do that, then you will be reconnected with God forever. You will be what the Bible calls a child of God. You will experience what Adam and Eve experienced before sin ever entered into the world. I'm not saying life's going to be perfect. Because everybody knows that ain't no Christian's perfect. But what I will say is that when we are connected with God, it's a lot easier to get through some of the stuff that we go through. I say this phrase all the time. I don't see how in the world unbelievers make it to this world. Because everything is just so empty except when it comes to God. Everything is so empty when it comes to Jesus. So we have to take action. And if we do, we are reconnected. And if we don't, we are forever separated. And like Dad said, I think it was last week, he said There's, everybody sees it very clearly after they die. But the problem is, is that you can no longer take action about it. How many of y'all think that it's easy to remember this story when you think about those seven parts? Every story has a hero. Every story has a problem. Every story has a guide. Every story has a plan, an action, a positive and a negative. And when we explain that to someone, and we take them through that story like that, you know what happens? They listen. They may not agree with you, but they listen. Because everybody likes a good story. Next time you go watch a movie, you're going to see this and go be like, listen, that guy right there, he's the guide. That guy, I'm t watch, wait, he's got a plan. And then you see a lot of action. And then you see positive or negative result at the end. You're going to watch that. You're going to be like, man, I, yep. That right there, that's how that guy's going to die. Just watch it. I'm telling you. Um, but it's so true. I believe if we can get back to the basics, if we can study, 
and remember and retell the gospel, that we will see a power of God that the church in America has not seen in decades. Because we're so caught up playing church, doing things, and honestly, we're not living like we're connected. We're almost living like the gospel doesn't exist at all. But it's so simple. So if you feel like you're powerless in your walk with Jesus, just start talking about the gospel. Because the Bible says it very clearly that it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Don't walk powerless. Walk in strength and might. And it's not because of our strength. It's because of God's strength. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the good news that you've given us called the gospel. May we be reminded on a daily basis about the story that you have told and the story that you are writing in our own lives. God, thank you for that connection. May we desire that connection with you. May we ex desire to experience you now because you've made a way for us to do that. Thank you for fixing our problem. Not just our daily, day-to-day -day problems, but the real problem that we had, which was sin, and, and it caused us to be disconnected from you forever. Thank you for fixing that. Thank you for having that plan and to send your son. Thank you for being so consistent and steady and all-knowing that you knew that we needed this. Thank you for a way out. God, I pray for boldness in every single person in this room that they would begin to start sharing this story on, with their friends, their families. That we would start to see a difference. Not because we're trying to pressure anybody, but because we're trying to just tell people the story of our lives and to tell those people's story of your story. God, we're so humble that you would even use us. And we ask this in your son's name. Amen. So, um, in, a, in a moment, our guys are about to come up and take an offering. And um, I'm not going to do this long, fancy, go over there, play the piano, make some atmospheric music. Not, none of that right now. But I will say um, a couple things. One, usually in the past we would say, if that's you this morning and you feel like you want to take action in your walk with Jesus. You want to take action. You're saying, hey, listen, I want to follow Jesus. I have not taken action. Usually what we tell you is to check the Connect card. But here's something. Most of the time, dudes don't check Connect cards. You know what I'm saying? It's the wife that fills them out for the most part. So if that is you this morning, whether you're a guy or a girl or a lady, lady or man, come and talk to one of us. Go tell somebody. Be bold. Take action. Go tell somebody that you are ready to take action. You know why? Because we're not going to bite. We're not going to judge you. We're going to hug you and high-five you and love you and, I don't know, celebrate with you. Um, it's something not to be embarrassed about by taking action. Taking action is an amazing thing because when we see people take action, we see people's problems turned into solutions. God, his story has been told once again and someone has transferred from death into life. That is nothing to be embarrassed about. That is something to celebrate. But for some weird, silly reason in church, people get all 
tinged up and cringed up when they see somebody coming out of the altar because we think, what's wrong with them? We come to the altar because we are confessing and repenting and asking for help. And there is no condemnation for those who seek after Jesus. So with that being said, passing up the, uh, the baskets. And uh, if you have your connect cards, you can drop them in there. But if you want to know more about what it means to walk the path and to walk after Jesus, then uh, come and talk to one of us after. Anybody feel like you know the story? Is it a little bit easier? Did that